Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on love people. So we're going to uh, jump in today with week two of our vision month. Last week we talked about loving God and uh, had a wonderful uh, demonstration by Mr. Cornelius of serving us a filet mignon. Philip ended up with it. Where's Philip at? Is he in here? He's in kids today or somewhere or something? I seen him earlier. He's here. Oh, he's in kids. Philip ended up with the filet mignon last week and the potatoes and the broccoli. He told me last night that it was the best steak he ever ate in his whole life. He said he cut it and it was like butter. It just cut like butter. That's a good steak, guys. So um, you must have cooked that well, Marshall, on the... I didn't give him much to work with, a little griddle back there. I was just trying to get the smell going in here, but he cooked it pretty good on that little griddle. I just try that at the house sometime. But a great illustration last week of us uh, setting up a blind date for people to come into and meet uh, the beautiful, wonderful, good God that we all know and love. And so that is our purpose. And Um, One thing I did not touch on, I thought about after I left last week, is we really, when it comes to being focused and simple, keeping it simple, stupid is the motto, right? And um, and so in trying to keep it simple, not only have we tried to make a vision uh, very simple to read and understand, and I told you all last week, we even put stick figures with it. Okay, and so there's just no excuse for not knowing what we're about. Okay, even if you can't read, you can see sticks at figures, right? And so you know we're about this, okay, and that's, you just go with it. Just come in here and do this, and you're in line, okay, with what we're doing. And if you just grab people's hands, you're, you're, you're get you're halfway there on loving people. If you hold your hand long enough, you'll love them. That's what happened to me and Jahan. I just held her hand long enough, and she fell in love with me and living truth. Love at first sight, yeah. Um, you know, it's my beautiful, amazing wife's birthday today. Today. And uh, she's 26 today. And we had a little discussion the other night at, at dinner. Uh, we took a little getaway Friday night. See, Jahan loves to be around people. I love little getaways, so she always gets little getaways for her birthday, you know? (laughs) I mean, and she said, we don't really have to do anything this year because we had basketball games and we had a bunch of stuff going on. I said, oh, yeah, we do. You know, I need you to get your present this year, (laughs) which is a getaway for me. So uh, (laughs) that's what we did, a little getaway. But we were at dinner, and she was... We were arguing about whether or not she looks as old as she feels. And I said, you still look like a kid. People still can't believe you even have a kid. Never mind eight kids on the way, right? And people don't even know that. And she's like, no, they know. They can tell now. My wrinkles on my face and all this stuff. So I asked the waiter. I said, how old? This is her birthday. How, which birthday do you think it is? And he said, 26. And I said, see? I mean, they used to think she was 12, so she is aging a little bit. And, uh, well, she was 12 when I met her, but no. Uh, 
she's she's a little older than 12, but she's she is aging a little bit. But it is her birthday, and uh, so we had a good time. And I don't know what I was saying before that. I totally forgot about what everything else I was saying. I just thought about having dinner with her. And it just <laughs> just holding hands. Yeah, holding hands. Thanks. <laughs> holding hands. And um, if you read the newspaper, it will help. No, that's the Word of God, right? And so uh, living the truth of the Word of God. And so we made it as simple as we can. But w- one thing I didn't touch on last week is we, we not only tried to communicate it clearly and illustrate it clearly, but we tried to make it. If, if someone wants to... Um, align themselves with this body and become the disciples that we feel like God has called us to raise up, then we tried to make it simple. You ever uh, worked a job? Uh, I used to drive a school bus, and they had a lot of things that you had to do to do it right. And Lisa can tell you this. She's still driving because she is crazy. But... um, uh, it's a difficult, difficult job. It really is. Di used to drive a school bus, didn't you? And she says she's going to do it again when she retires from UPS. They're all crazy. They're just crazy. But anyways, uh, no, they love the kids, and I didn't. But they, they it's okay. Uh, but they have a lot of rules, and everyone knows that you don't do all the rules because you couldn't do all the rules. If you drove a school bus, and you all need to know this too, because school bus drivers get a really bad rap, but if you drove a school bus and did all the things technically that you would have to do, you would get fired from driving a school bus because the kids would get there at 9 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. So you can't, you can't make every stop and wait on all 23 kids to get a seat before you move or it take you that long. You can't wait till they get far enough away from the bus as they should, or you'd be there all day. It, when I first started driving, I was like, oh, my gosh, trying to do all the rules because I'm a rule follower, and I was like, this is impossible. And then they started educating me on how you don't really have to do that, you don't have to do that. And then I'm like, and the reason I quit is if something bad happens, which it often does, see, there's this expectation on them that they can't fulfill without fudging on some of the things, but then when something goes bad, everybody's like, why didn't you do it exactly the way we told you to? Because you told me 10 times not to do it that way, but now you're going to tell everybody, you you know what I'm saying. So one of those things is we would go to um, the Tennessee, the Highway Patrol would put on these certification classes every year that you would go to, and this is where it really, like, highlighted to me the the absurdity of it and I was like I can't do this because we sit in that class with a hundred school bus drivers in the Knox County and we're all looking at each other while he's talking about the stuff and then the highway patrol officer literally some of the points he was making he just kind of did this you know like we all know you can't do that but we're going to set the bar there anyway and I was like they're going to throw me under the bus as soon as I don't do one of these things that they all know we can't do. And yet you still get the little piece of paper that says you're certified. So uh, a whole lot of responsibility, and but very little control, right? I say all that to say I have found over the years that oftentimes 
church is that way. There's these qualifications and there's these things and there's this standard, but there's no really applicable way to live what people are preaching at you to live. They're just saying things and they're throwing things out there, but there's no like practical steps of how to actually flesh that out. And so we're oftentimes left with this really high standard. And then it's like, you know, the preacher doesn't necessarily do all that standard. They just pick the things they want to talk about, right? And that's the things that they harp on. And I'm not trying to beat up church or pastors. It's a beautiful, amazing thing, the body. And, and, and I believe men of God lead their bodies well and try to lead them into truth. But I'm saying so many times I think we leave, we leave church or attend church feeling so helpless and hopeless. And I think so many people give up because there's just, they just think it, they can't be what is expected of them to be, right? And so we, we just really believe that, and it, it's not like we're the be-all, end-all, and we know everything, but... You're only, fa- you're only responsible for what God has spoken to you and led you in. And so we believe with all our heart, if people will uh, apply themselves to these things, that they will grow and flourish in these areas of their life. And so we don't just say you need to love God and you need to have these encounters, but we try to facilitate all of our ministry opportunities for you to be a part of in those categories, okay? And here's, the, here's why I mean by that. Sunday mornings are specifically targeted to be love God encounters. So everything we talked about last week about disarming every misconception and misconceived ideas about who God is, we want to be really strong on Sunday mornings to usher presence in worship and people just experience him and his love and his presence. And what I share on Sundays, I want to be really, you know, I want to come in and try to disarm every lie people believe about God and let them know how much he loves them, the good news of the gospel. It's like evangelistic. And so we want to reach out. And so we have many guests every week. This week we only had one, but see, we got one. So I'm going I'm to tell you about the love of God today, that you'll know that he loves you. But so we, these are love God encounters, our worship nights that we have, and our 12 hours of worship, our 24 hours of worship. Those are targeted as love God encounters where we're just trying to just bathe people in the presence of God and just be in... Those aren't discipleship classes. Those aren't supposed to, you know, complete... Sunday mornings are not where you're supposed to come in here and I'm going to take an exegesis and take you where you're going to just know in-depth studies of the Word. Some people think that you should. I just don't. I don't think that's what we do with our Sunday morning because this is such a time where people come in and I don't think it's time to try to teach all this stuff. I think there's a next step to that. And Wednesday nights we try to teach. And Wednesday nights we try to go a little bit deeper. And our life groups is a next step for us. So you come in here, it's welcome, it's inviting. There's a reason I dress casual. There's a reason I have coffee. is because that's our intention on Sunday mornings is to be a very welcoming, inviting place. Those things are intentional. 
We don't think it has to be that way. We don't think it's divine or more spiritual. It's just our intentionality and what we feel God has called us to do with our lives. And you just happened to invite me here to do what God's called me to do with my life at this place. And so here we are. And so our worship encounters are our love God encounters. And when we calendar and when we do those things, we call it that. And we know that and we try to be intentional with that to have these opportunities for people to just fall in love with the presence of God and know who he is. Our life groups, th these are in order. There is a progression. You can come here on Sunday mornings and you can be anonymous and you can sit by yourself and you can slip in and you can slip out. And we always want to be a place that's open to that. But we always want to compel people and, and challenge people to move on in their walk and in their faith and to not just slip into a body and come in and hear a word and get excited but to go deeper and to begin to build relationships with other believers yes. and so we don't judge our success I don't care how many people we have here on Sunday morning we won't consider that we're a successful movement successful church because we can have tons of people here, but if we're not transitioning people and causing people to become disciples, if people aren't connecting with other believers, we believe their life is deficient and their faith is deficient. And so we can have a room full of people, but if they're not growing in relationship and if they're not living truth and they're not applying the word of God to their life and they're not engaging in serving, then we've just got a room full of people. And so we want to build, make disciples. That's our command. Go into all the earth and make disciples. And so we think it's so important. If you've been coming here for this whole six months, if you've been coming here for a month, if you've been coming here for two or three months, whatever, and you've not transitioned in a life group, you need to transition into a life group. You need to begin to connect with other believers. And if you don't like people to tell you that, you're not going to like it here because we're always going to be pushing you to move forward in your walk because we think it's important. Not boxes to check off, but it's important for your faith that you join with other believers, and I'm going to talk more about that today. And then we transition after we move into life groups and we learn to fellowship and love people. And those life groups, everybody know if you've been to one, those go deeper. There's accountability in those. You're going to be asked questions in those. Listen, if all you ever do is sit on a pew and listen to a sermon, you are not where you need to be in your walk of faith. If you can't answer a question about the kingdom in a group of believers, then how are we ever going to be able to answer a question in people, from people who are blaspheming against his name? And so we have to grow in our faith. We have to grow in our journey of becoming disciples. And so we're going to push you and push you and push you and compel you because it's important for you. And we don't want a room full of people. We don't care if we can write it on our reports and we can say how many people we've got here. We judge our success. We, we try to objectively evaluate how we're doing. When I meet with the staff, we have a specific thing we do every week where we evaluate the process. How many people come here on Sunday mornings? How many people 
plug into life groups. And if there's 500 people here on a Sunday morning and 50 people at, are at life groups, we're having a massive failure. Yes. I would rather us go back and have 100 people and 100 people at life groups. We need to be owning our faith and growing in relationship. And so I just needed to give a quick overview. That wasn't on my plan for today. We're in, life, we're in love people today, and I'm going to talk about it. But I just wanted to give you an overview of the vision because I, I didn't break that down last week more. And so there's very specific things. Our worship encounters, our love God encounters, you're going to know about those. We'll say this is a love God encounter. Love people encounters. Our, our life groups, there's some other service projects that are love people encounters where we go out and love on our community, okay? And so we'll let you know about those things. There's some missions things that we do. That falls into our love people category. So there's some very strategic things. We don't try to wear people out. You can, you can, you can do all the things that we think are very important to, for you to be a disciple that we're trying to build and, and do it all by coming to Sunday mornings and being plugged into a life group yeah. and serving in one of those capacities on a rotation. And so we don't say, man, to really be a disciple here, you've got to go through 15 classes a month, and you've got to come here three days a week, and you've got to do all this stuff. We believe if people will just plug in, that God will grow them and, and, and advance them. So let's look at this. Habakkuk 2, speaking of this, God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. That's what we're attempted to do. Uh, Mark 12 and Luke 10 both say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. And so if we're going to build a disciple, I think it's safe to say, and it's in line with Scripture, that we have to love God and love people. And if we can accomplish those two things, we're well on our way of being a disciple of Christ. I think the biggest obstacle in Loving people is 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. This is the biggest obstacle for me. There are some people that are so easy for me to love, right? Aren't there some people so easy for you to love? But then there's some of these 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 people. Don't be naive there are difficult times ahead. As the end approaches, people are going to be self-absorbed. Anybody know any people that are self-absorbed? Money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous of parents, crude, coarse, dog-eat-dog. -dog. Anybody have a hard time loving people? If you feel like you pet them, they're going to bite you right? Unbending, slanderers, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, bloated windbags, <laughs> addicted to lust and allergic to God. They'll make a show of religion, but behind the scenes, they're animals. Stay clear of these people. 
any people, when we talk about loving others, that you say, man, they're like a wild animal. They're hard to love. Everybody have somebody like this in your family, I'm sure. I love the joke. It says everybody has that crazy aunt or that crazy uncle. And if you think about it and you can't think of one in your family, you're probably that crazy aunt or that crazy uncle. And everybody's thinking about you. If you're like, no, my family's pretty normal. Well, you're probably the one then that everybody else is thinking about. Sometimes it's so hard to love people that are self-focused and self-centered. It's hard to give to somebody that always takes. It's like, man, why do I want to give you anything? You're taking everything. Yet I'm supposed to somehow sacrifice for you. I see it so many times as there's like a ceiling and you're just, and you're saying yes and you're believing God and it's just, you're just kind of chipping away at it and then someone else comes in agreement and God's got a yes locked up in them that if you'll join with them and you'll agree with them that that's just the extra force that it takes to break yes. through yes. that ceiling. And I've seen that to be true so many times in my life. There's been places of growth as a body and in my family that God has sent just the right people to just come alongside at the right time and then that agreement has just brought open doors. Deuteronomy 32.30 One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand. But I want to end with this today. Because this, this is really my heart. I have a serious, 1 Corinthians 1.10, I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another. Cultivating. What is cultivating? Cultivating is work. A life in common. How do we ever get a life in common without cultivating together? Yes. I challenge you. We're going to challenge you like never before this small group, life group semester. To connect and be a part. Man, the vision is so much more than these five groups or six groups or seven groups. I hope that one day there's a hundred groups. Yes. And everybody in this room is leading one of them. And we're connecting on all kinds of different levels. I don't want it to be demographics, and I don't want it to be based on age or whether you have kids. I want it to be based on interest and people that we can connect with and be in the same mind with. But we're just at the starting place right now. We're just, we're just trying to get people to just connect. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.